Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So, turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and this is Totally 80s. Before we start, just a reminder to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram. Plus, make sure you bookmark wearetotally80s.com for tons of news stories and content about our favorite decade. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. We'll love you for it. And now, speaking of love, I am here <laughs> to talk about my queen, Madonna. And joining me is the king of the 80s, John Hughes. No, not that John Hughes. I wish I was. I, I'm just going to pretend you are. Right, let's just pretend I'm that John Hughes. You have possibly no disrespect mm-hmm. to the other John Hughes who has left us, but maybe more 80s knowledge than even him. Uh, well, good. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's I, on I've, par. I've often been told that if you crack my skull open, <laughs> I bleed neon. <laughs> So that sounds like a good song by the way, title. By the way, no one's ever told me that. I'm going to, you know what? You got to own your own narrative. Okay, good. Speaking of someone who owned their own narrative from the jump, from the get go. The queen of pop? She is the queen. I, I don't even know, John, if I can impress upon you how much Madonna meant to me as a young girl growing up. Try. I'm going to try. Okay. So this is an interesting um, entry point into Madonna because obviously people think of hers, uh, I guess, the biggest pop female pop star of all time the biggest female pop artist of all time yep. even now she just uh, as the week we are taping this she just debuted her Madame X tour mm-hmm. and it's selling out everywhere and she's still the queen but I discovered her through a TV show that I'm sure you remember on MTV. It was called IRS's The Cutting Edge. Yes. And they showed the Lucky Star video. Yep. Peter Zaremba was the yeah, host, from right? From the flesh yeah, tone. Exactly. So the IRS is The Cutting Edge. They obviously had a lot of artists that were on IRS records mm-hmm. at the time. But, first you know, place I ever saw R.E.M. and mm-hmm. Morrissey was on The Cutting Edge. The first time I ever saw Terrence Trent Darby. The wow. first time I ever saw Specimen. Ooh. When they did a really awesome and uh, life-changing for me, like, expose on the bat cave club in london yes. like basically i looked to this show which was it predated 120 minutes so it was sunday night at like 11 30 or yeah. 12 yeah so i would have to sneak up to watch it they might have had it on the same night the young yeah. ones were on yes but it was like to me this was an arbit- arbiter of cool hip mm-hmm. underground stuff that the rest of mtv wouldn't necessarily play this was like curation this was mm-hmm. like here's the cool stuff kids so they showed the madonna video for lucky star which to me fit in she's wearing black yep it looks like a very low budget video. Mm-hmm. And they did a little bio on her that, you know, that sort of was time. How she was this scrappy kind of punk chick who came up in the New York underground and had drummed on the Breakfast Club. Not not the John Hughes directed movie, but yes, the band, the, the Breakfast band. Club. And she came from, I mean, she was punk. She came from punk mm-hmm. underground roots. Her music was definitely inspired by like electro. And they talked about, you know, that she played CBGBs and the Mud Club and mm-hmm. Danceteria and all that. So to me, she did not come across to me as some kind of like 
manufactured Pop-Tart or fluffy artist at all. Not at all. And what a credible way to be introduced I via often, the cutting edge. I often wonder if I'd been introduced to her yeah. in a different way, um, the way most people would be like, say, Top 40 Radio yeah. or whatever, which came later, if I would have had a different idea of who she was. Because this IRS thing, you know, positioned her to me as like she right. was, you know, an underground artist. See, I, I got exposed a little earlier, probably than just that. a little earlier than that. Uh, Burning Up. The video for Burning Up was the first video, the MTV, and it was like in light rotation. And it was, it was my high rotation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like this really edgy video where, like, you know, this guy who was, sorry, obviously gay, <laughs> driving this convertible and, and like running her over. Running her over. Yeah. Like I said, he was gay. <laughs> And so it's funny because I was like, wow, this is really cool. But you know what sold me? Because this was this was back in the day when if you knew it was on Sire Records, it was going to be good. If you knew Seymour Stein and yeah. signed her, he was Ramones. Right. You knew like wax tracks. You know, it's like if it's if it says Smuckers, it's got to be good. <laughs> you know, if it says Sire, it's got to be good. It's and I, true. Yeah. And I would buy anything that was on Sire or wax tracks. And um, there wasn't an album yet. There was only a 12-inch. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. again, 12-inch right. notes, cool, dance club. You know, I'm label. first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, hey, you know, she has another song that's on Top 40 Radio. I'm like, what? And it's everybody. Have you seen the video for that? Looks yes. Like it costs 50 cents. 50 cents filmed at the Danceteria. There you go. And, and she actually looks pretty tomboyish in that one. She's not in um, right. the Lucky Star, like, peekaboo lingerie right. outfit. She's wearing, like, a Newsies costume. And Sire buried that video. Do you know why? Mm-mm. Do you remember the sleeve for Holiday, the the twelve inch? She's not on it. Did you think she was African American? That was the strategy. That, that was, was the strategy. That was the marketing plan. We're going to take her to black radio first. Interesting. Break her there. Get credibility. Make people think she's African American, and you know, and then Burning Up came out. I didn't think yeah. she was African American because of how I was introduced to her. Yeah. So I remember hearing her on Top Forty Radio right. with Holiday and friends of mine finding out that she was black and being surprised. And so I, in another way of kind of classifying her in my young mind as being cool, I had her in a category, not necessarily vocally, but in a category genre-wise with like Tina Marie. Like she's yeah. a soulful, yeah, right, white sure. pop singer. Yeah, I think I think you, if you're going to go with that marketing strategy, you may not want to speed up the vocal so she sounds like <laughs> Minnie Mouse, Yeah, uh, which is what they did. She did not sing that high. But to go back to her rock or yeah. punk roots, it's like... Um, I don't know if you ever heard this album that came out in 97 and I don't know if it's in print anymore, but clips of it exist on YouTube. It's called pre PRE dash Madonna, pre Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. So that I believe she had it killed. She shouldn't have (laughs) because it's a very, anyone who's like, oh, Madonna is, you know, not cool or not talented or, or if anyone who thought that she was perhaps some kind of, um, a construct. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. a prefab Svengali type artist needs to listen to this because there are some things like everybody and, um, Burning Up, I believe, is on mm-hmm. there that are like the early demos that really actually sound almost like, I mean, like the Lena Lovage thing kind of sounds like a techno Susie. Yeah. Or the, Elena, the Burning Up sounds like Lena Lovage or Susie. Right. There's some like pretty amazing stuff in there. And there's some stuff that never came out, but all mm-hmm. of it sounds very lo-fi, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're demos. And they are 
they are like kind of electro songs. Did she, was she working with Stephen Bray yet at that point? Do you know? She was because I did yeah. read that the, it's from 1980, 1981, but Stephen Bray actually is the one who authorized it. So okay. he, he had some songwriting okay. credit. But so this is my entry point into her. And this is the thing when I talk about the impression she made is there's been lots of pop stars before and since. And I used to get really incensed when Britney Spears, you know, she's fine. I don't have nothing against Britney. I like some of her songs, but when people like Britney Spears would ever come out and they would say, they would always say, this is the next Madonna. Yeah. Because that just shows you how big Madonna is that like any new pop girl who came out after 1983 was the next Madonna, right. the next her. But I was like, no, Britney Spears in no way, Maybe now, but, you know, in, in her early career, there was nothing about her that made me think she had agency in what she did. And there was no danger. There was no danger. But besides that, she did not seem like her own creation. Right. It did not seem like she was the one, Brittany I'm talking about, who mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to wear a school golf skirt. Right, right. And play up the Lolita image and do this video. She wasn't owning it herself. No, yeah. but she was young. She was like 16. We have sure. to remember that like Madonna, by the time she broke, she'd been around from it. She'd been like homeless in New York. She was, um, by pop standards, a bit older. She was like 24, 25. For sure. And she'd lived a lot in her mm-hmm. year. She was not an overnight success story. So when these other pop girls would come out and I would look at them and I'd be like, okay, their clothes looks like, look like they were picked out by a stylist. Mm-hmm. Their songs were given to, to them and said they were just thrust in the, in the booth. And yeah, Madonna maybe didn't write all her songs or didn't write a lot of her hits, but I absolutely believed every step of the way, how she was dressed, how she was marketed, mm-hmm. the songs she sang, the way she, um, the video she made, that she was completely her own, very authentic, very um, earthy mm-hmm. uh, creation. And I would say that for every look, you know, she's changed her look and sound a million times. There's like pretty much no one except maybe maybe Bowie that I could point to as someone who's reinvented themselves so many times in a right. long career. And I never, that was the thing um, that I liked about her is that I didn't think there was anyone, Seymour Stein or whoever, that said like, put on this, this wedding dress, right. go roll on the floor, we'll make you a star. Yeah, and I think coming from a scrappy Detroit background and having kind of like that the punk ethos, mm-hmm. you know, it was reflected in her look because her look think was about, so amazing, it's so iconic, so and good. It's, it's kind of funny. You look at it now, oh, it's so eighties, but I'm telling you. You know, little gay John, 15 years old in Cleveland, Ohio, had jelly bracelets all up and down both wrists, wearing multiple swatch watches mm-hmm. at the same time because I was a big of fan Madonna. of the excessive jewelry. Exactly. Thing. And I wasn't alone. You know, it was weird to see, you know, me walking down the hall because I was the one out of maybe three new wave kids, as they call us, or the punkers. But it was um, a totally different head. It was totally. totally different head, Johnny Slash. And, um, it was it was very inspirational, and I thought Burning Up was just such a fucking jam, and I was shocked it wasn't a hit. It's actually my favorite Madonna song. Yeah. Burning Up. Do you know who directed and, that video? Uh, is that uh, Stephen Steve Barron? Yes. He went on to direct some videos that a lot more people saw. He very famously directed Billie Jean. He directed Take On Me by Aha. Mm-hmm. He directed Money for Nothing. He directed Money for Nothing and Take On Me in the, by Aha and Money for Nothing by Dire Straits in the same friggin' year. <laughs> like he's a, but it's funny, because I've interviewed him about all those videos I just mentioned, and, and, when he, and he also always oh, I should say he directed um, uh, Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Yep. 
amp music by, and he was a major 80s thing. Yep. He disavows that video. He's not Why? proud. Why? Because he just thinks it looks cheap. But I'm like, that's what makes it cool. Because the casting of the guy it in the convertible? Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mention that. No, he just didn't think aesthetically it was his best work. Uh, of course, he went on to direct much bigger budget yeah. videos, but I liked the scrappy aesthetic. I do want to say, related to everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound like shade, so I want to preface okay. it that it is not, because Madonna is my queen in life. I'm not going to say she can't do no wrong. She's done some wrong. She's done albums and had career phases I wasn't as on board with. But I, I, no matter even when she, you know, I'm loyal to Madonna. I love her. Noted. Okay. This is the thing, you know, her, one of her career peaks was the Blonde Am Ambition Tour. Yes. Which actually was kind of the cusp of the 80s. It was like 89, 90. The word ambition, I think, is very important. We mm. talked about Stephen uh, Seymour Stein. It's famously noted that she got him to sign her record deal when he was like in the hospital. Yeah, they had been talking, and uh, he had a hard time. I don't remember exactly, mm -hmm. but he was in the hospital, right. and like she wasn't sure how sick he was, so she like went to visit him and was like, "Sign this before you die. Yep, give me my record deal." She was always very ambitious. She was very strategic, and she okay. This is the part that I said I, it's going to sound like shade. I don't want to. She wasn't the best singer out there. There mm -hmm. were there were women, female artists who and male who could sing better than her. She was a good dancer. I'd actually say that's one of her biggest talents. Not the greatest dancer though. She didn't dance like Janet Jackson or Michael mm -hmm. Jackson. She was very pretty, but she looked you know, there were probably prettier girls than her, girls who looked more like models or in the early days had fit or bo thinner bodies. But none the thing was she just was like, if you've ever seen the American bandstand early yeah. episode where Dick Clark says to her, like, what are you gonna do? And she said, I you know, what's your plan? What's your next move? And she said, I'm gonna take over the world. Yep. I'm going to be the biggest pop star in the world. But I'll be damned if she didn't mean it. We are we are a couple of weeks into the new year. What do you hope will happen, not only in nineteen eighty four, but for the rest of your professional life? What are your dreams? What's left? Mm, to rule the world. <laughs> there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Madonna. She, she was pure ambition. She was going to make ambition. herself a star. She went from Detroit. She went to New York. She hustled. She she struggled. Mm -hmm. And she made the most of whatever assets she did have. And she surrounded herself. Her probably biggest talent is being able to surround herself by the best songwriters, the best everything. She had a vision. Uh, she had a vision. And it's such a cliche. But she had it. She, had, she had star quality. She is an artist. Watch and, that Lucky Star video and watch right. her sex eye the camera. Right. Not the best, like I said, not the best dancer, not the best singer, but put it all together and you have an artist. I, beyond being a pop singer, beyond being a top 40 hit generator, she truly is slash was an artist. And she is. You know, you get to see the growth between. The self-titled debut album and Like a Virgin, and it's kind of there. It's 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 not a hockey stick, you know, but it's growth from Like a Virgin to True Blue. You know, you go you get a little bit more. But True Blue is a record that is not one of my favorites, right. but then oh my god, Like a prayer. Like a Prayer, kaboom! And then even later in life, Ray of Light. Right, I, thought, I had written her off. I didn't think you know I right. wasn't a particular fan of. Um, I did. I'm. This is, might be an unpopular opinion. I didn't really like the erotica era. Yeah. See now, uh, I'm can gonna, I say it? You're a gay man. I'm, I'm going to speak. For, I'm going to speak for the gays. Loves that era. That, that's our album. Can I say that? Yes, it is. That's our I've album. I've never met a gay man who doesn't love that era.
you know, it's the whole S and M aesthetic. It's That's the whole fine. yeah. Uh, it was just too much at it's once. It's danger. It's it's uh, excitement. It's you're not supposed to do that. Which I loved, but the erotica album. Okay, here's the problem I have, and I don't want to sound prudish because I loved Madonna from the beginning because right. she was sexual, right? And I still love her for that. Even at age sixty-one, she's owning that. Right. And be damned if people think that she should be sipping tea and knitting sweaters instead because she's a you know grandma age. No. But okay, the Justify My Love video. The erotica album, the sex book, and the very not good Bodies of Evidence movie <laughs> with the wax wannabe yeah, right. Fifty Shades of Grey before. It was or, like five shades of gray. Or Willem Dafoe. Yeah. All of those came out within, I'd say, about a year and a half, two year period. Yeah. It just felt like it overkill was a, to it me. It was much. It was, if it had just been the erotica album on its own, fine. But I was kind of like, okay, I get it, Madonna. You like sex. But let me, let That's me, cool. Let me, on. let me try to shift your thinking a little bit. I'm open-minded. What's happening in 90, 91, 92? Okay. Well, grunge. AIDS. Mm. Uh, fear of sex. Yeah. Safe sex. Condoms. Fear, 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 fear. And I did say grunge, but a lot of that yeah. stuff was very unsexy. Right. It was a reaction to the 80s hair metal stuff. All of her friends dying. Mm. And it was like a really, ta- it was a time of shame. It was a time of go back in the closet. It was a time of don't show sexuality. It's So it's a, it was her pushing buttons and saying, look, this is part of life. You may not like it. It may not be in the spotlight, but why not? And, you know, I have in my notes uh, right here under Madonna, LGBT rights slash AIDS crisis. She was on board with the with the LGBTQ activism from yeah. the get go. She didn't do jump. it when it was trendy. Exactly. She didn't start doing it in the last couple of years. She doesn't just do it on Pride Month. So when people bring up American life and try to slag her, I'm like, you know what? Fine. You've got to give her a friggin pass. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a member of that community and you're ragging on her for being 61 in a leotard, you need to shut the fuck up. Don't get me started on that as a woman myself. I have a lot of thoughts on that. So, okay. She obviously, it might be hard for Madonna to transition into middle age and older age because so much of what she did was her currency was her looks and her sexuality. Right. I get it. It's she's not, you know. Adele, you know, where so any or even like someone like Lady Gaga, like Madonna always led with sex from burning up Mm -hmm. onward. So I get it. But she's damned if she do and damned if she doesn't, because if she at age 61 had, quote unquote, aged gracefully and, uh, you know, whatever, what it looks like. She'd be Celine Dion. Yeah. But no, she wouldn't be if she. Who's only like 50, by the way. I know, but I mean, I'm uh, artistically. I'm talking about more like her looks. Okay, gotcha. If, if Madonna had, quote unquote, aged gracefully by uh, looking like more what a typical 60-something mm-hmm. woman looks like, you know, maybe put on a little bit of weight, dressing more conservative, hadn't had plastic surgery, uh, you know, not showing a lot of skin. Mm-hmm. People would be like, oh, what happened to Madonna? Yeah. She let herself go. She used to be hot. What a shame. But because she's done the opposite of that, right. she's like, I'm going to flaunt my body, which, by the way, looks like the body of a 25-year-old, right. and dress how I want, still be sexual, still have Maluma, mm-hmm. you know, getting busy with me in the video. Uh, people are like, oh, how pathetic. Act your age. I'm sick of it. I'll give you an example of a parallel artist who is my all-time favorite artist, David Bowie. Okay. Nobody said boo when David Bowie colored his hair. Uh, when he got a little refresher, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes he comes back, you know, and, oh, what's going on with the face there, David? Uh, nobody says boo. 
Or to Prince. From, or to Prince. Right up to the end. Right. Uh, and so there is, uh, I wouldn't say a, a slight element of sexism. I'd say a whole heaping handful of uh, sexism going in there. And it's unfair. Very. And I do think Madame X is a good step in the right direction. I love, I didn't like it at first, but yeah. I gave it a chance. That record is bonkers. Because she, she doesn't care about she getting on the radio. She doesn't care. That's what I'm saying is why did it take her so long to not give a shit about being she on the radio? She does not care. She, she doesn't sh- need to be on right. the radio. She's got more money than God. Right. She's going to sell out her tour dates no matter what. She's back to making art again. It's really, I mean, she made some political statements with God control. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of like weird spoken word stuff. Yeah. It's great, but I... The, Let's go back to the 80s. Well, <laughs> let me talk. I have one last thing to say sure. about the ages and thing. What yeah. really hit home to me about how she just... Uh, and she, so, over the years, I've noticed a sort of brittleness with Madonna mm-hmm. in the way she carries herself in interviews and stuff that I think is very self-protective because she has spent so many years being shat upon, basically. The Brit Awards that happened, mm. I guess it was four years ago yeah. now. So when she fell... And kudos to her. She got right back up. She must have been in pain. She got right back up. And if anyone thinks she lip syncs, there was proof she didn't. Because when she fell off the stage, her vocals stopped, right? Mm -hmm. And she kind of limped back to the stage, but she did it. It was actually very... The song that she was doing actually had these lyrics like nothing's... I forget what song it was, but it was song... It was about... Um, living oh. for love, or yeah, and it was like yeah. I got, I got back up and stuff. Right. But I noticed the reaction in this wonderful social media age. Mm-hmm. So glad we didn't have that in the eighties. Oh yeah, um, on Twitter and stuff, people were really there was a lot of shot for it. There was a lot of people that were laughing at her. There was glee. Mm-hmm. There was glee. People were like laughing, literally right. laughing at her, kicking her when she's down, laughing at someone right. when she's down. But I thought to myself, okay, who are her? Logically, within a decade or so, peers. Mm -hmm. Okay, if any of the following people had had a similar misstep on TV, Tina Turner, Mm -hmm. Annie Lennox, Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson, Mm -hmm. Debbie Harry, Mm -hmm. Cyndi Lauper, Pat Benatar. It would have been horror. People would have had the normal human empathy empathy reaction of, is she okay? Right. Oh no, poor Tina, poor right. Cher. You know, I hope she'll be okay. Instead, people are like, ha ha, Madonna fell. Yeah. People really like to hate on her. And that just, I think actually for people like us, just makes us all the more loyal. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I think there was a lot of misplaced glee. I think we love to build them up and tear them down. Especially women. And, and nobody gets built up and torn down more than Madonna. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's unfair. Uh, it's really unfair. But she just keeps doing whatever the hell she wants to do. I'm glad she does. But you can see in the interviews, she's mm-hmm. really clenched, like you said. And I think it, you know, just from a fan perspective, I look at her and I think it does affect her. Well, I, yeah, because I've always wanted to interview her. She's on my mm-hmm. bucket list. She's the one. I mean, people, when people ask me, who do you want to interview? Before I even say Paul McCartney mm-hmm. or some of the other people you might think I say I want to interview Madonna. But I have a feeling she would be a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Um, she's kind of going into some uncharted territory. She always has. That's mm-hmm. her specialty with the fact that she's doing what she's doing at her age and not aging gracefully. That she is um, taking some artistic. She always takes artistic chances. Sometimes they don't pay off. Yeah. But you did want to go back to the 80s. Yes. I just think you can't really talk about Madonna. She's not an 80s artist to me. No. She, she had some of her biggest successes in the she 90s. She would probably bristle at the, the very uh, categorization of being an 80s artist, which fairly uh, she should. I mean, some of her best work was Ray of Light. Or, in the 2000s, music. she did Confessions on the Dance Floor. Uh, yeah. And, you know. That was 2000s. She's also accused unfairly of uh, bandwagoning, you know, and, and, and sucking the lifeblood out of young artists. No, she's giving people a platform and a chance. Who else is going to go to Bjork and say, hey, can you write a hit for me?
sure Stuart Price yeah, or right. Mirwa are pretty stoked that uh, I'm sure Maluma is happy to For work sure. with her. She's definitely, and you know, sometimes I guess what that would be like when she got with Britney mm-hmm. or, you know, did the kiss at the VMAs, but, you know, with Britney and we always forget Christina Aguilera got the sloppy seconds, but, <laughs> you know, she knows how to stay in the news. Sometimes she's yeah. in the news for reasons that, you know... Mm-hmm seem um, exploit like she's exploiting herself mm-hmm. or whatever, but she's not a dumb woman, man. No. She's a genius. And again, nobody ragged on Bowie for mm-hmm. positioning himself. So let's talk about we some of our favorite 80s moments specifically. We already mentioned um, how we discovered her and we also yeah. mentioned the Burning Up video, which like I said, that's actually my favorite song I love by her. It. You know, she has the sole writing credit on that song too. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Madonna. Mm-hmm. But we got to talk about I alluded to it a minute ago, but the, we got to talk about the VMAs. Yep. Because I do believe that for children of a certain age who were addicted to MTV and we were watching the very first Video Music Awards, MTV Video Music Awards in 1984, and she opened it and she was already a pretty sizable star. She'd had hits with Lucky Star and Borderline, but I, mm-hmm. I don't, I think it might be a stretch to call her like an A-list pop star at that point. It no. was, she was like A minus. Right. B plus. Duran were much bigger than her at Absolutely. that point. Yeah. Um, her opening with Like a Virgin, which for a lot of people was the first time they heard that song. Mm-hmm. And we all, if you were there, it was your Ed Sullivan Beatles moment. Mm-hmm. It was the man walking on the moon moment for you. I so vividly remember, I was watching the VMAs with my parents. Mm-hmm. My dad really enjoyed that performance. <laughs> he was like, if their TiVo had existed then, he would have rewound that. Can't But it's funny because if you watch it now, and if certainly if people who aren't old enough to have seen it then watch it now, they probably think it looks so tame because yeah. the VMAs kind of made their reputation on shocking moments. Mm-hmm. Like even now I look at like Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke and I'm like, that's not shocking, but it was shocking in 2013. For sure. But in 1984, her rolling around the floor with her underwear hanging out, mm-hmm. uh, singing about not being a virgin, but feeling like a virgin. That yeah. was scandalous. It was a big deal. And I've always wondered if it was, I, I, there's a recess in my mind. I don't know if it's a made up memory that I put in there, but did she have a wardrobe malfunction or something? And that's why she dropped to the floor? She has said, she has said, Yeah, I don't believe her, Right. that she dropped her shoe. Her shoe okay. fell off when she came down the little cake right. or the big cake, I should say. And so she rolled around on the floor mm-hmm. as opposed to hobbling around on right. one shoe. And she made, uh, she covered her gaff that way. Madonna doesn't, there are no accidents in Madonna's career. I think she knew what she was doing. I think it's a combination because if you look on YouTube, there's a scrambling in the control booth to get her on camera because she's too low to the floor. Well, she might not have told them people she was right. going to do exactly. that. That doesn't mean she There might be a combination it. of the two things. Yeah. She might have gone off script um, right. because maybe, f- I'm completely speculating here, maybe she went off script from what had been staged because she was afraid that right. perhaps someone would tell her you can't do that. That's too risque or whatever. We've got to keep this family friendly. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't believe there's accidents in her career. I don't believe no. she did that wasn't calculated and she didn't know exactly right. what she was doing because she's crazy like a fox. Yep. And this is a compliment to her. Of course. I've, as I've said earlier, I've always felt she's been 100% in control of everything she does. I do not feel the VMAs moment was an exception to that. 
that. Do you remember who hosted that first VMAs? Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler. Yes. Do I win a prize? <laughs> exactly. You win my undying affection. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, but that was a big deal. And that was, I mean, uh, those kind of moments don't happen these days in an era where like, we're not all watching the same thing. Right. But since anyone who had cable was watching and oh, was yeah. under, say, age 30 was watching the VMAs at night, it kind of mm-hmm. made her star. She went from being, you know, B plus to A plus. Oh, yeah. A list. Yeah. And um, there was a tour the Like a Virgin tour with uh, Beastie Boys Beastie opening Boys up. Opening and I up. hear they got booed off stage every they night. They got booed off the stage in Cleveland for sure. It was like Jimi Hendrix with the monkeys. Yeah, and it was, it you know, and I'm I'm watching the Beasties and I have to admit I was doing my fair share of booing because I didn't get it yet. Well, also like, okay, you've mentioned the gay fan base that yeah. Madonna has and always had. Right. The Beastie Boys in License to Ill or even before that era, yes. Cookie Puss era, is not the woke Beasties we all came to know. No. They were like frat boys. They were frat Lovable boys. frat boys. They but were... I could see how like her core LGBTQ fan base yeah. might be like, these guys aren't with us. There were inflatable things on the stage. Yeah. Uh, there was There was a go-go dancer. A female mm-hmm. go-go dancer. I would imagine yes. so. Uh, so it was not the enlightened... Uh, uh, show that you were you there. Would, I was there. In Cleveland, That's pretty Ohio. rad to say you were there. I no. really wish I had. I didn't get to see Madonna until the Blonde Ambition. As tour. we do more episodes, you'll hear I was in a lot of good places. I you saw. were like, uh, what's that? Um, I'm Zelig. <laughs> yeah, Zelig or the other one, the other movie with uh, Jeff Daniels in it. Oh, I'm blanking now. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. What you're the guy about. who was just everywhere. Exactly. You were everywhere. Uh, so we got to move on from '84 to '85. Uh, I, I know. Oh. I have one thing to say about '85. And I'm going deep. Bring it on. Bring it on. Gambler. I was going to talk about another movie. <laughs> I'm sure you know which movie, but let's... Oh, so you want to talk about Vision Quest. I want to talk a little bit about Vision Quest. Gamp- I actually saw Vision Quest in the theater for the sole purpose of seeing Madonna. Yep. Well, I mean, she had a bigger song That was song a big that. deal, though. Well, Crazy For You Crazy is for kind you of the forgotten big... song. Crazy For You is not forgotten. It was her first, like, really but, huge But I mean, in terms of compilations and things, yeah. because of licensing issues, it doesn't show up a lot. My friend lost her virginity to Crazy For You. She was <laughs> like a virgin, and then she was not. <laughs> I lost it to Gambler. No, uh, <laughs> that but yeah, but when I say forgotten, I mean, of course we remember it, but it doesn't get a lot of representation. I don't yeah, even think right. it's available on streaming. That's interesting. Yeah. Because it was like a top five hit for her. It was a number one song. Was it? Okay. Crazy For You was number one. Yeah. Do you remember the B-side of Crazy For You was? Oh, I should, but you, I know you do. No More Words by Berlin, because it was on the soundtrack as Oh, well. it wasn't a Madonna yeah. song. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good Berlin song. Uh, yeah. So uh, might, be my, might be my second favorite yeah. Berlin song. Uh, after Masquerade, right? Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not, you were actually Boom. right. You win my undying. I got you. We, uh, we won and we both won. But Gambler, it was, okay, again, got to go on YouTube and find the video because it. it's every cheesy 80s effect over the actual film footage. It's like, you know, the the colored effects where they pause it and everything. And I think she's wearing the same outfit from Lucky Star. It's like, did they uh, uh, not have a wardrobe budget? No, she's got the same mesh the same top, mesh black and the, the black tie belts. and the hair and yeah. But I just want to get, I just wanted us to talk about Gambler for like 30 seconds. Well, we did more than 30 seconds, Good. but that's fine because I think <laughs> it's worth talking about even the songs that we forget about with her. Right. The songs that were her lesser hits or her, her less, uh, the things that are on the compilations, the, right. the songs she's less likely to dig out when she goes on tour are still jams. Causing a commotion. Yep, there you go. You Everything from, a, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to talk too much about the Who's Got Girl movie because that yeah. wasn't one of her greatest moments. Spotlight. 
from You Can Dance. Spotlight, wow, yeah. you're bringing out the deep cuts. I'm just saying, you know, if you can pull out deep cuts like that and remember them 30, 35 years later, and they weren't even big hits, that's just the strength of, of her catalog. I think it really doesn't get the respect it deserves. Absolutely. Well, we're respecting her. Yeah, for sure. Respect yourself. <laughs> we're expressing ourselves and respecting ourselves. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about more Madonna soon. Prince's iconic album, 1999, is now available in Super Deluxe, CD, vinyl, digital download, and streaming editions. The Super Deluxe edition is the deepest dive yet into Prince's vault, and it features 35 tracks that have been previously unreleased, including 24 studio recordings, a complete concert from the 1990 tour recorded at the Masonic Hall in Detroit, and the CD and vinyl sets also feature a previously unreleased DVD concert performance recorded live at the Summit in Houston. A full-color booklet features rare photos and new liner notes written by Guns N' Roses' Duff McKagan, Rolling Stone critic David Frick, Minneapolis writer and broadcaster Andrea Swenson, and Prince scholar Dwayne Tudall. The newly remastered Super Deluxe Edition of Prince's 1999 is available now wherever you get music. back and talking more Madonna on Totally 80s. Okay, so let's talk about the other movie from 85 that people might remember more. Okay. Desperately Seeking Susan. You know, again, a star-making turn. It was the role she was born to play because she was basically yep. playing herself. You know, that's that's always the line. She's not the greatest actress, but when she right. gets the right part. Right. You know, I.e. not Shanghai Surprise. Right, exactly. Her body of evidence. Wasn't Shanghai Surprise produced by George Harrison? I do believe you're right. Or or his film company, you know. He was involved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But, you know, Desperately Seeking Susan. I mean, I can't think about her without seeing her dry her armpits in the uh, hand dryer in the bathroom. Well, with, with, I don't mean this is, you know, sometimes people think it's bad to talk about artist fashion when talking about their their influence or their career because that seems like a um, a superficial thing to dwell on. But I don't think, if you're talking about really any artist of the MTV Mm -hmm. era, but certainly not Madonna, you have to talk about the fashion. Yeah. And when I talk about how much she impressed upon me, I mean, you probably remember the fashion, like Madonna B fashion contest that happened at I think Macy's with like Andy Warhol uh, judging oh yeah. everyone dressed like her and not only there every high school mm-hmm. in, in America oh I got photos of yeah. me I wasn't in high school yet but you right. got photos of me uh, sneaking out of the house wearing like a mm-hmm. gi- I'm wearing a gigantic bow on my head in like my <laughs> sixth grade yearbook picture it's a bow it like doesn't even f- it's outside the frame of the shot <laughs> it's a Whitney Houston I want to dance with it's somebody that. bow it's yeah. actually exactly that I okay. had like a triangle haircut <laughs> yep. but everything Madonna did I want to um, emulate like I remember very specifically seeing the board line video Mm -hmm. and I went into my mother's makeup case and she had some kind of yellow makeup probably like um a foundation stick of some kind and I put it on my lips because Madonna in the scene where she's outside the pool hall trying to get back with her old boyfriend is wearing yellow lipstick wanted the Ray-Ban glasses certainly the excessive jewelry Mm -hmm. the socks with the the neon socks with the pumps Mm -hmm. everything she wore I wanted to wear obviously I was a little too young that getting into sort of the underwear look was not going to fly but I you know I pushed it with the bows and all the jewelry I loved what she wore so much but I have to this day we're talking 2019 if there was any person, fictional or real, mm-hmm. whose closet I could raid, whose entire wardrobe I could have, it would be Susan Thomas. Oh, that yeah. That is Susan. Right, right. Everything. The studded boots, mm-hmm. 
the round suitcase with the skulls. Right. The t- the torn up T-shirt over mm-hmm. the bra where those, the scene you're talking about where she dries her armpits. Everything. Everything she looked like looked like she got out of the trash. The pyramid jacket. Of um, well, that's mm-hmm. going to be a whole other okay. organ of that. Got it. But everything she had looked like she rummaged it out of Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Cut it up with some pinking shears while on this New York subway mm-hmm. and turned it into the coolest thing you've ever seen. She was literally wearing rags and she was just the most badass fashion person ever. I wonder who the wardrobe person was on that movie. I don't know about the movie, but her original stylist, who was her stylist for the first two albums, was yeah. a woman named Maripol. Okay. She's a fashion designer, but she's also an artist. She used to work at, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the place, Fiorelli. Mm. And she is the one that I've interviewed Maripol. Okay. And she is the one that met Madonna when she was hanging out in the Danceteria Clubs and told her, like, one time she cast her to, like, dance with Fab Five Freddy at something. Wow. And she said, take off your shirt. Go dance out sta- on stage in your bra. Because Madonna was wearing, like, <laughs> um, I guess she could see some of Madonna's bra. And it was, like, a colored lace bra or some okay. kind of bra that looked cool. Mm-hmm. And she's like, take off your shirt. Madonna did it. And she styled her for Like a Virgin, wow. uh, the album cover. She actually told me what's interesting is the original idea that she talked people out of was the Like a Virgin album cover was supposed to look like a virgin sacrifice. It was going to look more gothic. Oh, wow. Kind of like how Madonna sort of looked in the Frozen video. Yeah. But it was going to be more black and more kind of satanic looking, like, like, like a virgin sacrifice. And, yeah. and she was like, no, put her in a wedding dress. So Madonna did have some help mm-hmm. um, with her look, but she definitely owned it. But let, yeah, let's talk about the jacket. I own a jacket of that. No. I spent so long. I just bought it like two years ago on wow. Etsy. I found someone on Etsy who made the jackets. So here's the thing about the jacket. I grew up in an era, as did you, where... I sort of just believed in the transformative power of a jacket. Oh, yeah. I think this dates back to the pink ladies on Greece, Fonzie. I had a trench coat that gave me superpowers. Was that, who was that uh, uh, it was just, a reference to? Just, Inspector uh, Gadget? And any Manchester band <laughs> okay, yeah. that, you know, a black mm-hmm. trench coat with buttons all over it. Yep. yep I'm just down. The idea you put a jacket on and somehow it, yeah, it gives you this, this superpower of cool. Armor. And yeah. And the jacket in Desperately Seeking Susan, besides looking really cool, it's actually a plot point in the movie. It's Mm -hmm. the jacket that turns Roseanne Arquette, Roberta, into the secondary Susan. It sends her on this whole new adventure because she gets mistaken for Susan. I don't want to spoil it for anyone if you haven't seen the movie, but if (laughs) you haven't seen the movie, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. It's been 35 years. Get on on that, will you? If you're listening to the Totally 80s podcast, (laughs) my guess is you've probably seen Desperately (laughs) Seeking Susan and you can follow along with this plot. But go watch it anyway because it's so good. I mean, Madonna could put on a pair of like men's underwear mm-hmm. like boxer shorts dad bod boxer shorts and turn it into fashion cinch it with a belt so I really wanted this jacket and I finally found it and it looks exactly like it wow when I wear it people freak out but when I interviewed Rosanna Arquette I wore it to the interview oh shit and she took a photo of me in it oh good we actually no I, I had it like in the back sitting on a okay. chair yeah. because I wasn't sure how she would go with that and she said is that a desperately seeking Susan jacket <laughs> over there on the chair and I said, yeah, You're it so is. sly. I just happened to have it draped over no, here. I had it on the back of my chair in a corner. And I thought, you know, if I feel like it's a moment where we're having, you know, a yeah. connection and we're going down that route and I'm feeling like if I take this out, she won't be offended or right. think I'm totally weird, which I am. Um, I'm going to bring it out. But she saw it. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's kind of lame, but, you know, can we talk about Desperately Seeing Susan? The movie's meant so much to me. So we started talking about it. And then afterwards I said, I said, do you want to get a photo again? She goes, put on the jacket. Oh, awesome. And we recreated the poster. It's on my Instagram, of course. It was such a, it was such a moment. Are you a RuPaul's Drag Race fan? 
Oh, my God. Do you know who else has that jacket and uses it in her show? Uh, oh, wait. Let me guess. Sonique? Love Connie. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. She even has a uh, whole show about her cat missing, and it's based on Desperately Seeking Susan. We could talk for a couple <laughs> hours if you want to go down the um, RuPaul's. <laughs> you don't, did you not know how super fan I am? No, I do now. Well, speaking of Madonna, they yes. had the, remember the Madonna fashion show on RuPaul's Drag Yeah. Where everyone wore everyone, everyone had the kimonos. Kimchi, I understood. Yeah, no they, one else needed to. Then they did it again the next season. They needed to. And didn't uh, wasn't there another uh, outfit that was uh, repeated? I Someone believe. repeated her Met Gala yes, punk look, which exactly. is an amazing look right. and probably an easier look to recreate. That's why. Right. They, but the person who got eliminated on RuPaul's Drag Race when they did the first Madonna fashion show was Acid Betty, yes. who absolutely should have not because she, she recreated did the, the, the birds from Bedtime Story. Yeah, right? Yeah, she did like hydraulic birds suspended right. in space, hatching from her chest, and yep. she went home. It was but amazing. To go back to just Madonna's fashion, the yeah. fact that like there's so many looks mm-hmm. that they could do two Madonna-themed challenges on RuPaul's Drag Race, and, and it was all from different eras. It was yep. bedtime stories. It was Met Ball 2017. No one actually did the Desperately Seeking Susan 80s era. No one put a lace bow on there. Maybe it's an age thing. Yeah. Uh, Peppermint did like a virgin, right? Yeah. Some, some, a couple people did wedding dresses. Wedding dresses, but yeah. that's an easy thing yeah, to that's do. A, that's a Michelle Visage yeah. is like me, like Madonna is yeah. her number one, right. worships Madonna. And I know Michelle Visage really wants Madonna to be a judge on oh, Drag Race. And I don't amazing. know why that, I mean, I know Madonna is so huge, but I feel like Madonna would be game for it. She's in Spain. She's, she's, <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race Espana. She's, she's busy. There's a UK version of it now. And there's yeah. also a Thai version. And Surely yeah, she'll be in she gets, some, she's in, she's in Portugal now, actually. Yeah, is where I got to go back to the borderline video for one second. Please. Because there's <laughs> one thing that's bugged me ever since 1983. Really? The photographer. Mm-hmm. The fashion guy who discovers her guy, on the street and you know, like ruins are, slash improves her life. Right. Is it, Are his are his uh, true desires nefarious or not? We don't know. Is it she, never actually goes there. Right. You know, but it's like, you know, what is he to her? We're supposed to believe that he's in the wrong because he gets angry because she spray paints his car. Yeah, I would actually like that's grounds for dismissal. Right. Also, I do want to say that her boyfriend, while incredibly hot in the movie, is kind of a dick because yeah, in the, I said movie because to her, I'm with you. To me, the videos are little mini movies, and it did have a plot. But yeah, there is no real sign that there's total foul play. Like basically, no. the plot is that a. Uh, photographer, fashion photographer, discovers her on the street, bring, brings her into his world, turns her into a model, puts her on the cover of a magazine, and her boyfriend's not cool with it because that means she's like not spending yeah. a lot of time with him, making out on the roof. Yeah. And he's the bad guy, the, the photographer. The photographer's the bad guy <laughs> as opposed to the boyfriend who's trying to hold her back. Right. Because I imagine in Madonna's real life, she probably had men who held her back who were yeah. like, I'm mad that you're getting famous or I'm mad that you're the one that's hogging the spotlight or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you. She spray painted my Porsche. I do want to talk about moving on to 86 or so. Do you remember, speaking of videos and speaking of the true blue era, this is how big Madonna was in 86. I know where you're going. Can I guess? You can guess. The Film Your Own True Blue video Make contest? My own video. I've interviewed the guy who directed that, who won. Angel Gracia. Yeah. Being like a real director. And can we talk that his video is better than the quote-unquote official music video? With Debbie Mazar? With, yeah. And, yeah, the, the official you know, video is not. It's and cute. The, the soda jerk kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I wasn't really into that aesthetic Madonna yeah. had where she was like the whole who's that girl too blue right. era where she was 
kind of doing the Marilyn thing a little too. I'm not a fan of the short hair. Yeah, I mean, you should. I'll do. I like you know. I like that she physically like. Uh, I remember at that time when True Blue came out, or mm-hmm. when Papa Don't Preach specifically came yeah. out, people were making a big deal about how she seemed more in shape than she had before. Right. You know, she obviously had been hitting the gym, and from that point on, she never had a ounce of baby fat on her. And but I wasn't a fan of that look. But the make. Okay, this is how big Madonna was in '86. There was a contest called Make My Video to make a video for the title song of True Blue. There were a whole bunch of entries and most of the entries, the one that won, Angel Gracia, he only spent $600, mm-hmm. but he really had a vision and he used every resource he had. He had someone lend him a vintage car. He got the local high school to let him film there for free. He cast actor friends. Wow. And this is a fun thing because I'll tell you this. So he sent his VHS tape in or whatever tape type of tape via FedEx and it got returned to him Oh, because apparently there had been too many entries. Oh. They had to cap it at a certain number of entries because there was just not enough Who's hours view and manpower yeah. to watch them all. So he, he there was like a de- one day of deadline left and he was like, F-, F this. I spent $600 and I spent hours of time doing this. I want to be in, at least be seen. Mm-hmm. He convinced his father, he was 19 at the time, to lend him the money to buy an overnight ticket. He lived in Florida. I don't know how much that cost back then, but he flew a red eye, was at MTV when it opened. He'd been drinking coffee because he got to MTV, he got to New York, like to wherever MTV was, Times Square area, whatever, at like 5 a.m. or so. He opened it up and he was like sweating and (laughs) over-caffeinated because he'd been out on the streets up all night. And he like went up to the receptionist and was like, this has to, I don't know why it's got returned to me. It got returned to me. He found out later why, but- you know, there was no note or explanation. Mm. I got it in by the deadline. I f- fulfilled all the rules. This has to be in. And she was kind of scared. Like, right. okay, you seem like a crazy person. But she called someone and was like, and that person came down and took the tape and wow. said, fine, okay, leave us alone. We'll just, you know, we'll take the tape. And he ended up winning, which shows you there's some ambition right there. But MTV was so behind Madonna at that time. And she was so unstoppable that there was a day. I know I didn't hallucinate this, John. For 24 hours, they, they showed nothing but these videos. Every single entry. It didn't matter if it was like little girls yep. from in their ballet class, tutus, singing you, in the hair brushes. You did not imagine that. There was one person who, de- it was actually a sweet sentiment, dedicated it to their dog. Mm-hmm. It was all just like amateur camcorder footage of them running around with their dog because yep. they were true blue to Rover, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. There was like... A lot of just people like lip syncing, mm-hmm. like very few people had the creative lots of, lots vision of, of Angel. Three or four besties in high school in front of a camera doing a line dance to True Blue. Exactly. And lots no, no. lots of that. no question that Angel's Gracia, Angel Gracias was the only one that really had the professional right. thing. You know, he ended up having a career that way. Wow. He, um, because him and his, um, I forget the name of his partner, but his older partner who sort of was, had more of a production role, mm-hmm. they proved that they could make a pretty cheap video that was good or at least, you know, decent. And so I believe it was Geffen, but some major label hired them wow. to basically make videos for them for the kind of their lower tier or newer artists where they had some, where they were like, okay, you made a pretty good video for $600. How much can you make if we give you $10,000 or $5,000? I know they did a video for Tim Scott. Wow. Swear? I don't know if it was swear, but I know if you Google this, there's like an old LA times article about this or maybe Florida times or whatever, but he ended up having a, 
a career. And he still he ended up working with Ridley Scott on some stuff. Wow. And then I this is all from an interview I did. And then he did actually see he said he was at some Oscar party and Madonna was there. Madonna was there with uh, it was around the time she was married. He, he said she was with Guy Ritchie. So this was a little while ago. Okay. And he was like, should I go talk to her? Like, I'm common. <laughs> I don't want to seem like this weirdo. But I kind of feel like I should go up to her and say, like, thank you for starting my career. So she, he went up to her and was like, I'm the one who directed your make my video contest winner video. And she was like, oh, hey, you know, like they didn't really talk. But he just said, I want to thank you for starting my career. But, you know, she could have been like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> so at least she was he, gracious. He said she was gracious. They didn't really have yeah. a conversation. She probably was like, I've done so much stuff in my career. This is like the smallest thing on my Wikipedia page. The but. best thing I remember about that contest is the commercial with Madonna. And she's like, hey, <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you. I want you to make my video. I mean, she's yeah, like super she's new real, orky and uh, <laughs> for everyone who's ever watched a video and said, "I can do better." I can do better. I can do better. Come on, I dare you. Come on. He actually said uh, when they <laughs> premiered the video, they flew him and his partner out to meet Madonna and premiere the video live on MTV and he said she acted like that. She was kind of like bratty and rude to him. Oh, but, that's funny. But well, he, he wasn't a fan of her music. He was like a hard rock guy, but he really respected her work ethic. Wow. And he had the same ethic, you know, whatever it takes to get mm. that video on MTV, to get it into the right hands. Wow. You know, that's what we can all learn from her, whether you like her music or not. She was on a streak and because if everybody, the single, was her first top 40 hit, it got to number 16, right? Not bad. Every, I actually didn't realize it got that high. It got that high. Every single, every single hit the top 10 after that until 1989 when Oh Father only got to number 20. Oh Father's a great song. Oh Father's a great song, but it's such a bummer. Yeah, it's, well, it's know? not a, it's a pretty heavy song. And yeah. the, the video for it was very heavy too. The video's amazing. She's like visiting her mother's yeah, grave, which yeah. is a big part of her narrative. Right. She got real, like a little more introspective with... With the album Like a Prayer, which is mm -hmm. one of her best albums. She also was real introspective on, on Ray of Light, which yeah. I think is even people I know who did never like Madonna love that album. Yeah, yeah. What do you think was her last great album? Her last great album? Uh, oh, boy. Because I think she had a pretty good long run. I'm, I'm not saying good record or a couple good singles. Her last really great record, I'm album a, start to finish. I'm a fan of Confessions on a Dance Floor. I was going to say the same thing. You know, I, it may be the company line, but it is a good album. And I particularly like, if I'm not misremembering this, the Pet Shop Boys remix of Sorry. Oh, I didn't know There's that. There's a Pet Shop Boys remix of Sorry. She definitely, at that time, I feel, you were talking about how like some people think she's jumping on a bandwagon, yeah. but other people like myself and yourself will see it more as her surrounding herself with the right talent. talent or, or And giving people a break. Okay. She opened the Grammys that year with Gorillaz. Yeah. I was there. And I will tell you, it looked just like that. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't look like a special effect. I know it was done with holograms. It mm -hmm. looked real. I was in the audience. Everyone was gasping. Yeah. She also had this kind of cool like 70s like or maybe actually late early 80s when everybody was dressing in leotards whether they were into fitness yeah. or not she yeah. had that look she had the abba sample yeah and then the, the only time they've ever allowed that well it's madonna you don't mm -hmm. say no to madonna right? and then i don't know if people remember this but she played for that album when she was sort of uh it was sort of marketed as being a return to all the roots we're talking about her early mm -hmm. like club days her danceateria days yep she played Coachella and she did not play the main stage. She played the dance, dance tent. tent. For sure. It was the biggest clusterfuck, pardon my French, in the history of Coachella. 
There were more. It felt like there were more people to see her on the dance end <laughs> than there were to see Beyonce at Coachella. Oh my god! The entire. Well, I don't know if you know this, but with the exception of one stage where the poor band editors had to play oh, competing. I, I guess there, that was decent counter programming. Maybe sure. there were people who wanted to see editors who aren't poor into editors. Madonna, but everyone likes Madonna. Right. Um, Every other stage was black, uh, dark, wow. including the two main, the two big main stages. So like there wasn't really, you had three choices, sit on the ground and watch nothing, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, hit up the, the, the beer tent, yep. see Madonna at the dance tent or see editors. I would say probably 98% of the people at Coachella went with the Madonna option. Right. There were people standing on top of the porta potties. Wow! To see her, I actually got a decent view of her. I don't know how. Mm. It was complete. Cra- I mean, only Madonna, maybe Beyonce, could command that because she didn't. Mm. She wanted to play the dance dance. She wanted to do a proper dance show, and she did some of her early stuff. I do believe she did Holiday, mm-hmm. but it was just. I was like, this is a woman. At that time, what year was that? Maybe two thousand nine, right? I don't think it was. I think it was maybe like me two thousand five. Yeah, it was two thousand five yeah. or two thousand six. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Because Hard Candy was after that. But yeah. we're talking more than twenty years into her career. Oh yeah. And actually, I like the Hard Candy record too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's good stuff on it. But the last, you said from front to back. Front to back. It's got to be confession. And I do. I know we're talking about eighties, but when it comes to Madonna, I don't think you can Ageless. really stick stick with one decade. I will go so far as to say. She, maybe not the best, but she gave one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. Yeah. I, haters back off because a lot of people did not like it. But this mm. is a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This ain't the Hotel Cafe. Right. This isn't, you know, when you do the Super Bowl, you need to have spectacle. Spectacle's the word. She had, besides having the greatest hits, she had Nicki Minaj and MIA flipping the bird. Mm-hmm. I think Madonna was probably pissed about that because it took a little attention off her. Right. She had LMFAO. Mm-hmm. She had CeeLo. She had... Like Egyptian type type rope walkers, it was cool. she threw everything and ten kitchen sinks into it. Right. She's Madonna and she can do that. Right. It was pure entertainment. Yeah. She knows how to entertain. I cannot wait until her Madame X tour comes to LA. I will. I'm going to at least two of the dates. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, yeah. uh you know, uh, you can't have a totally '80s podcast without devoting one episode, maybe several, to Madonna. So we'll end this by saying, what is name your top three Madonna songs? <sighs> Definitely burning up. Me too. I got to throw that in there. Um, I really, I love the early, early stuff. So I'm going to heavily weigh it towards there. I think uh, Angel is an overlooked single. Wow, you really like to go with the, um, again, a, a, yeah. a hit at the time, but not an obvious choice now. You know why? There was no music video. Mm-hmm. It's all about MTV yeah. then, yeah. And I, I love Dress You Up just because I like doing the uh, the dance coming down the stairs <laughs> for friends and family. <laughs> I do want to say, because we were talking about like all the LGBTQ stuff, yeah. if you are familiar with Laura Jane Grace from Against Me, of course, her book, which is politically incorrectly called Tranny, her memoir, but it, that's the name of it. Right. She It's all about, most of it is obviously about the fact that she is trans mm-hmm. and her journey towards that. And she says the first memory she ever had uh, as a boy of thinking... I think I'm a I think I'm a woman or I think I'm female. I think I'm in the wrong body mm-hmm. was when she saw Madonna on MTV. She saw Madonna dressed up in the lace and stuff and she was like it hit something in her and she like went upstairs and like put on tights or something. You know, that's there why I I I bristle and I get really defensive for her. Mm-hmm. Uh for Madonna mm-hmm. because she's done so much. She uh has 
weathered so much. I hate to sound like a gushing typical fanboy, but she You're you're very uh, much preaching to the you like know, a you know, like a prayer choir. You know, people right now. Are like she's in the rock hall. She shouldn't be in the rock oh, hall. Come, come on, guys. All right. Well let me go back to what I was I was gonna do my top yeah, uh, three. Go for it, please. Ray of Light, mm-hmm. which is a leader song, but a great song. Um, then Into the Groove, mm-hmm. Jam from Desperately Seeking Susan. And my number one is Burning Up for all the reasons we talked about. But anyone who says she doesn't belong in the rock hall, well, first of all, rock, it's not a rock hall anymore. It's a popular music hall. And we also have Janet Jackson. We have Donna Summer. Right. And we have people Sheik. like that. Chic. Or not Chic, Nal Rogers. Nal Rogers, sorry. Yep. Which is a sticking mm-hmm. point with him. But anyway, yep. uh, Burning Up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was performed by Iggy and the Stooges and it was probably the coolest thing that ever happened there. I'm burning up I'm burning up I'm burning up for your love right. Yep, and it ties it all back together. Her Detroit, to Detroit. roots, her punk roots. I mean, it, it, it's a thesis statement. So if you got all the way to the end of this podcast, haters... Uh, we hope we <laughs> we hope we changed your mind about how awesome Madonna is. She is my queen forever. She is Madam X. And she's the material girl. She's the ethereal girl. So thank you for listening. I'm Lindsay Parker from SiriusXM and Yahoo Entertainment. I was here with the other John Hughes. And I want to make sure all of you, if you enjoyed this podcast, follow us at Totally80s on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you bookmark wearetotally80s.com for tons of news stories and content about your favorite decade, the 80s. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you're a Madonna, Madonna fan and Madonna B, please chime in and tell us what your favorite Madonna moments and songs were. Thanks for listening. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally 80s, and please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.